Fruits and vegetables are two foods whose health value and necessity in the diet are rarely questioned. And this is for good reason, since research consistently suggests that the nutrients and compounds in them improve our physical and mental health. But is this true for all fruits and vegetables? Does eating tomatoes, white potatoes, eggplant, and others in the nightshade family do more harm than good? Let's find out. Okay, Carolyn, we are back for another controversial topic. I love stirring the pot. Yes, and also I want to give a quick plug for your new book where you can get more information on this topic. Yes, thank you. So just came out. Gotta tell everybody the name of it. Meals That Heal One Pot. There is also a Meals That Heal. That was your first. That was my first one. So the one pot one is the new one. Yes. And it is, yeah, one sheet pan, one saucepan, one, just one thing that you have to clean. It does have some Instapot and air fryer recipes, but I made sure to include directions, like alternative directions. So like if you didn't have an Instapot, I gave you directions on how you could cook it like in a saucepan. I so appreciate that because I do not like to acquire a lot of kitchen um, gadgets. I know that I'm probably in the minority there, but. Well, I tend to get them and try them for a while, and then I'm over them. Yeah. Yep. So. I totally get that. Yes. So. But yes, this is how the topic today we're talking about has a strong connection to inflammation. And anti-inflammatory eating is the focus of my cookbooks. And so I've had to look a lot into this because there's a lot of misinformation. It's just hard to separate what is subjective and what is fact. And there also isn't a ton of research in general. Yes. 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 Okay, so. The topic. The topic (laughs) is, are nightshades bad for you? Right. And we are going to give a focus more on mental health just because that is our podcast. But, yeah. Carolyn has done much more work in terms of overall inflammation, which we will talk about as it relates to nightshades. Well, and, you know... This group of produce, and we'll tell you what they are in just a second, they get scrutinized a lot, and it's because most they're portrayed as bad for you because they're inflammatory. And so while it's a loose connection to mental health, since the premise for many people is that nightshades are inflammatory, and then you have conditions like depression and anxiety that are inflammatory, is it better to avoid these fruits and vegetables you know, if you have concerns about your mental health, like if you have existing inflammation that you think is, you know, at play worsening your depression or anxiety, is it better to just avoid these? Right. And it is kind of interesting because we've talked before, we've talked a lot about how good fruits and vegetables are for you. There's actually research that shows boosting your fruit and veggie intake can make you happier so now we're going to scrutinize the types of fruits and vegetables, or at least based on this premise, it, it then starts to feel like, well, wait, is this one okay? Yeah. Is this one okay? Should I get rid of that one? Well, I think why that's why nightshades keep coming up in the media, because we push fruits and vegetables so much. They're so good. There's no downside. Eat them, eat them, eat them. We don't eat enough. Right. And so when an article pops up like, you shouldn't eat tomatoes, you shouldn't eat eggplant, then you're like, what? I know some people in my family 
that would be thrilled, thrilled if I told them that tomatoes and eggplant were bad for them. Tomatoes. I could go without eggplant, but not tomatoes. Not well, my salsa and my marinara. See, that that's where they would they would be sad. But the actual oh. raw tomato, they would be I got it. thrilled to say goodbye to. I got it. Okay, so Briarly, what are nightshades? <sighs> nightshades are a lot of things that I really like. Okay, so they are tomatoes, which we talked about. They are eggplant, which we talked about. They are also white potatoes, very popular in my house. Bell peppers, also very popular in my house. And then it gets into like probably the ones that we don't eat as frequently, but still chili peppers, tomatillos. And then there are spices that are derived from nightshades like paprika and cayenne pepper. And then, as you pointed out, Carolyn, there are things like salsa and marinara sauce. Or maybe you have like, uh, there's this like eggplant red pepper dip mm. that I get from Trader Joe's that I love. I mean, that is just like jam-packed with nightshades. Let's not forget French fries. Oh, my God. <laughs> I didn't even think about that. Yes, because of the white potatoes. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So those are nightshades. Can you break yes. it down and explain to people like where this originated where from? Like what? Like why would one class of fruits and vegetables be potentially problematic compared to others? Yeah. So this is like a family of plants um, called the nightshade family. And most of them are inedible. But there are some that are edible like the ones you just listed. Um, and there's some thought that, like, the name comes from um, the idea that these plants bloom at night or I don't know. But anyway, that's the family of produce or plants is referred to nightshades. And they are unique and they produce compounds known as glycoalkaloids. How long did you practice <clears throat> saying that word? That one works for me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just glad you had to say it because that's when I couldn't. <laughs> anyway, I digress. Go ahead. Sorry. So, and from an evolutionary standpoint, glycoalkaloids are designed to, they're in the plant to help defend the plant against insects, almost like a natural insecticide, and to defend the plant from disease and some plant-eating animals. These compounds are there to promote the plant's survival. Yeah. Which, and there's a lot of families of plants that have this in them. But nightshades have these glyco uses glycoalkaloids. So the issue with nightshades is that these compounds that are toxic to predators can also be toxic to humans, which is where the big debate on nightshades stems. Um, but adding to this, and we'll get back to the toxic aspect, because um, honestly, they're not that toxic to humans. But adding to the drama um, of this debate is that nightshades have long been associated with witchcraft. That, yeah. Yeah, I, I had no idea. But you've got to also think this this group of plants includes hundreds of others that we've never heard of that are inedible. So they may have been using a lot of these inedible ones in the witchcraft. I don't know. Kind of well, yeah, because like tobacco, for example, Tobacco's was on the list. Yeah, yeah. Maybe that's what they were brewing their stuff with. Yeah. So, but, and also adding to the drama of it all is that Tom Brady made it very public five or six years ago when his um, 
book came out about his diet, and he was very public and proud that he ate a diet without nightshade fruits and vegetables. Now, this was among a lot of other things he didn't eat. Yes, correct. Um, like he doesn't really eat sugar, right? He, and he follows an alkaline diet, and he, but he has a personal chef anyway. But um, also, I mean, he is what well, I think he's forty-five, and he's still playing in the NFL. I mean, like whether or not his reasoning is legit, like there isn't, there aren't too many people who True. would look at him and his body and his athletic prowess and be like, hmm, he's probably doing something right. True. True. Which just makes everything worse when yeah. it comes to these delicious tomatoes and eggplants. Yes. I think potatoes. it is probably how unprocessed his diet is. Yes. Because it's so, yeah. It's what so stands out to a lot of people is that it doesn't have nightshades. So that's just really one small component. But he says he follows this diet to promote his performance and to prevent inflammation, specifically like inflammation from his training and games. Yeah. Because all of that training and sporting events are. Very pro-inflammatory. Yeah. So, you know, this should be a debate that is just straight scientific information. Yeah. <laughs> but yet it's one that gets clouded by pop culture and witchcraft history, which is why I think it, like, it's trending right now in media, right? It, yeah. It pops up every couple of months. Yeah. It becomes really popular. Yeah. yeah. Or I, I would say, like, it goes through phases, for sure, uh -huh. where you, you see more and more of it. But also, I, I mean... Look, I don't think that eggplant is, like, the most loved vegetable on the planet. So, surely it brings people joy to find a reason yeah. to avoid it. Tomatoes are really my – I couldn't do without them and tomato products. Yeah, no. I, I mean, maybe I could just skip over the white potatoes, but maybe not because I love gnocchi. Mm. Anyway, okay, so – you did a deep dive into the nightshade research. I'm not going to take credit for this here. Um, and whether or not, like, they really deserve this, like, inflammatory um, black mark and whether or not you should actually eliminate them. Um, what I think is interesting, just to give, like, a little spoiler, is that it might be hard to tell if you should eliminate them and you're going to give us you're going to give us like kind of a guide for if you think this is problematic, yeah. but that's coming later. Yeah. That's just Milwaukee a teaser. How to, how to figure that out. Yeah. Okay. So what did you find in the research? Okay. So the primary glycoalkaloid in these edible nightshades is called solanine. Um, and so that's the glycoalkaloid in tomatoes, white potatoes, egg, um, eggplant, you know, all those ones we just listed. Solanine, where you can maybe see it, if you will, is like in very young potatoes, like the green skin. Mm -hmm. And like sometimes you cut a potato and you see just a little green under the skin still. Um, it gradually, as the potato matures, it gradually goes away. And when you eat a potato that is, you know, ripe, not really call a potato right, but it that is at the proper time to eat it. That's not too young and not too old. Um, the levels of solanine are super, super low, super low. Um, and but if you eat a lot of like young green potatoes, <laughs> it can cause digestive issues like an upset stomach, 
nausea and vomiting, but it is very rare and you really have to eat a lot of these young green potatoes or a lot of old potatoes with like sprouts coming out. Yeah. So, and then, you know, really solanine, um, they do call it solanine poisoning, but it's these digestive issues. I don't know if there's ever been anybody to die, um, but I really didn't find any solanine or glycoalkaloid issues with the other edible ones. Yeah. It's very, very rare. If anything, it may be these green young potatoes that they're primary, but it's, that's rare. I remember learning um, in one of my food science classes in college, like, don't eat green potatoes. Yeah. That was just like, I remember they said they were like, don't eat green potatoes. Tell people not to eat green potatoes. I mean, I don't think people eat, eat raw potato. potatoes though yeah. either. I mean, eating them raw is more problematic. So yeah. Yeah. Hey, nice. Anyway. Um, so that may, I mean, that makes sense, but that's not necessarily inflammation. That's more like you're going to have some obvious very obvious digestive issues because it's more like, like you said, it's more like a poisoning response, not an inflammatory response. Right. So what'd you find about the inflammation part? Okay. So most research, I'm sorry, Tom, most research does not suggest that nightshades cause inflammation. However, any, if you already have existing inflammation in your body, if your body is already inflamed, with low-grade chronic inflammation, any irritant in the diet can potentially exacerbate or kind of egg on that existing inflammation. Um, this is because the body becomes hypersensitive when it's got inflammation. It's kind of like us on a bad day when we're already irritated and something else happens. It's easier to react. That's how your body is when it has inflammation. It's just reacting to stuff yeah. stuff that when you don't have inflammation it wouldn't usually normally react to um so solanine may act as an irritant if inflammation is already present but what people need to realize is so do a, a lot of other natural and processed compounds in food this is why suddenly people may find like gluten is an issue for them or some dairy is bothering them and it didn't previously, you know, it's because they've got some inflammation going on. And so the body is reacting to irritants it wouldn't usually normally react to. Right. And we know that that there are sometimes compounds in those foods, like you were saying, in you know, gluten in wheat products and yeah. dairy that can be both pro-inflammatory and anti-inflammatory. Yes. Yeah. So, um yeah. So I don't think it's fair to, it's kind of more how the body works. Like if it's irritated, it's going to be likely to react to stuff. Um, I don't think we can say blame it solely on um, nightshades. But also too, so let's say like I have a body that when I'm in a more inflammatory state that I might be sensitive to tomatoes. God forbid. You might be sensitive to gluten. It's not like it, it's not. I might not be sensitive to gluten, but I might be. It, right. So it, an inflamed body, everybody's inflammation in each person's body is going to be different. Yeah. 
you and know? yeah and so what they react to is going to be exactly. different there isn't like a carte blanche like oh you're in an inflammatory state cut out gluten cut out dairy cut out nightshades like no yeah now i will say there is one category of people who if who who are more prone to maybe inflammation from nightshades if they eat them and that's people with autoimmune conditions not always though and we're going to get in how to figure out which ones because it's not always nightshades and it's not always every nightshade but autoimmune conditions are totally inflammatory and you can see that really easily because you can see they'll have flare-ups when they're stressed or lack of sleep you know I mean they are so just inflammatory and waiting to react so um People with autoimmune may be a little more susceptible to having a reaction to nightshades, but not always and not to every nightshade. Yeah. So you did you did point out that there most of the data around nightshade soaking inflammation is anecdotal Mm -hmm. and that it was particularly in um, people who might have rheumatoid arthritis or inflammatory bowel disease. So like they are going to report like a an uptick in their either digestive issues if it's IBD or in joint related pain if it's rheumatoid arthritis I think the thing to the thing that's important to point out to listeners is that there is some some anecdotal evidence there um it is valuable but also it's not necessary it, it those are not mental health related conditions no. so while it does while it could be problematic for some people there isn't really much in the world of, like, mental wellness. No, there is not much even anecdotal evidence looking at the inflammatory impact on mental wellness. Yeah. So, but we do know that, you know, inflammation is a player in most of your mental health conditions. So, like I said at the beginning, it's a loose connection, but yeah, I think it's worth being aware of. Yeah. Um, and, you know, a lot of people with joint pain will swear, like, they stopped eating nightshades and it's they don't have joint pain sometimes. But the Arthritis Foundation does not does not discourage nightshades. They actually encourage them. Um, so it's kind of interesting. So, again, you know, I think it's because there's not a ton of research with clear evidence. But then also you have some people who do find these amazing benefits when they cut out a nightshade or two. Right. So it's kind of all conflicting. Well, and and conflicting because then there's other research that actually shows that nightshades have, like, anti-inflammatory benefits to them. Yeah. So, like, there was one study that I saw you pulled where, um, like, the compounds in eggplants were said to have these like anti-inflammatory effects that could even be used therapeutically um, or that like solanine could be valuable in the treatment of inflammatory diseases or could help yeah. even inhibit like cancer cell growth. Yeah. This one, that one study um, in 2018, it found like it wanted to take solanine, like that compound from these nightshades and use it like as part of a pharmaceutical treatment for inflammatory conditions. So interesting. Yeah. And so then inhibiting the growth of cancer cells. There's some research looking at using solanine for cancer treatment. Wow. Um, which is interesting. 
So, bottom line, there's little reason to avoid nightshades for most people. In fact, there may be more risk to not having them because most of these are those brightly colored vegetables that are packed full of vitamin C and phytochemicals like lycopene and beta carotene. And all of these act as antioxidants and exert anti-inflammatory effects on the body. Yes. And they and they all have been associated with other health conditions or like with lowering your risk for other health conditions. Yeah. Yeah. Also, let's keep in mind that vitamin C is really important for keeping your skin looking youthful. And that can affect your mental outlook. It can. <laughs> it can. <laughs> yes. So speaking from personal experience. But also all of these foods add fiber to your diet. Mm-hmm. And that is the part that, like, we also talk a lot about how fiber is really good for your gut health, and your gut health is really important for your mental health. Yes. That's a great point. Yeah. So cutting them out is also cutting out a great way to get fiber into your diet. Yeah. So I don't re- recommend cutting them out. But if you think you may be having some small reactions, like a sensitivity to a nightshade, Um, in my new cookbook, Meals That Heal One Pot, I, I dive into food sensitivities and food intolerances some. Um, and you know, food sensitivities and intolerances, they are totally different from allergies. Allergies in in a way are really nice because you can do a test like and get clear cut results. Yes. Yes. You're allergic. No, you're not. You know, it's black and white. Not so much for sensitivities. Um, and intolerances. And, um, you know, there's some tests out there that were real popular a couple of years ago where you could, like, I think do some saliva on a swab and send it in. They'd send you sensitivities. I have not found that many, if any, are that accurate. Mm-hmm. What is considered the most accurate, if you want to figure <laughs> out if you have food sensitivities um, and if there are maybe some nightshades that are triggering or are acting, um, you know, or irritating your body, um, is doing an elimination diet or elimination protocol. Now, what does that look like for nightshades? It is intense. Well, the traditional elimination protocol is about eight weeks and it is intense. Like you're cutting everything out except like protein and like some vegetables, like, it's hard. You got to be really dedicated. And then after, like, several weeks where you've just, you know, really cleaned up everything that's going into your diet, nothing inflammatory is going in, um, then you start adding things back one at a time. So it takes so much discipline. You know, I mean, like, you got to be really sick, I would think, to even have that discipline to do that. So, but what I share in my book is kind of a quick, like, cheat sheet to elimination diet it's not perfect it's not going to be as accurate as the eight week one but it it has worked for me it has worked for others and so what I recommend is for about a week really clean up your diet let's cut out gluten let's cut out dairy let's cut out as many processed foods so you're just getting rid of the extra chemicals and things that aren't naturally in food just kind of eat a real i know dietitians hate this word but eat a real clean diet yeah for about a week yeah okay and then add 
what you can do this for dairy or for gluten or for nightshades, whatever food it is that you are trying to test, add that one food in. So add tomatoes in to this clean diet. See if you have any reaction. Wait a few days, maybe try eggplant. See if you, and you know, it, you know, maybe you get a headache or you're bloated or, um, you know, you get a skin irritation, um, you know, or you have joint pain. It's going to be little subtle signs. Right. But I found really just cleaning up your diet really good for a week and then adding in one food at a time and really paying attention to your body and how it feels and how it reacts is a great way to figure out if you have a sensitivity. Yeah. Um, so you can do that with nightshades. You can do this with dairy, with gluten. I will say one thing about dairy is um, a lot dairy is kind of like nightshades. Like not all dairy, a lot of people can do some dairy products, but not others. Mm, so like it depends on how they're processed or like yeah. a milk versus a yogurt versus right. a cottage cheese versus like a soft cheese or a hard cheese. Right, exactly. Interesting. Also, yeah. even if you may, um, if you feel like maybe you're sensitive to milk right now. Right. You know, that makes you bloated or gives you gas or whatever. This may not be a permanent thing for you. It may just be, you know, if you've got inflammation in your body, if you can really work to cut down that inflammation, you know, through diet, through lifestyle, and you get your inflammation level back down yeah, um, to where it previously was, then you may be able to do milk then yeah, without any side effects. It's just kind of, you know, think of inflammation on a spectrum. And when it's up, it's going to react to more stuff. So you got to get that inflammation back down. So anecdotal story from about, 12 years ago. Yeah. Um, which like to me like reinforces this. And it's a big part of why like even though in our dietitian training some of this when when we were being trained some of this feels very like woo woo. Yeah. Um, but then you have that anecdotal experience and then more research comes out et cetera et cetera. All right. So my story was this. I went through a period in my um, in my late 20s where I had a lot of um, weird, for lack of a better word, like health issues pop up, mm -hmm. um, which we kind of talked about before. If if anybody listened to my uh, to the rant about my elephant belly, oh uh, yeah, right. Um, but what I was having is I was having all of these hives would come up on my body, and they, it was called pressure urticaria, and it was like anywhere that anything um, elastic, like or not elastic, but anything tight. Oh my god! So like wearing underwear or a bra or like leggings would I would get huge welts in this area. Oh my gosh! It was really weird. So I go to the dermatologist, right, because it seems like it's a skin issue. They put me on these like high, high doses of um, antihistamines and it worked and I was on them and it and it was one of those where I felt like I was going to be there. I was going to be like this forever. Mm -hmm. In hindsight, now I look back and I'm like, oh, I was clearly in an inflammatory state because I've had a lower grade version of that like crop up. But hold on. This is where the food story comes in. So when I was in this state and I got it under control with the antihistamines so that I could like actually put on real clothes and go out in yeah. public comfortably. Um, 
we lived in Burlington, Vermont, and they had this pizza place that I loved. Like we went there all the time. It was so good. And they also had like great like craft beer. Like this is when craft beer was like really like on the rise, right? So I would go and I would have a really hoppy IPA and I would like eat my face off when it came to the pizza. I would wake up the next day and it was like I would have a reflare of yep. this pressure urticaria. And and at my husband at the time was like much more into the like the woo-woo, right? And he's like I'm telling you, I think it's the gluten. I'm like, that's not true. I don't have a sense of, like, I don't have an intolerance. It was like really before sensitivity was yeah. on my radar. Anyway, I wholeheartedly believe that you can go through phases where you have sensitivities mm-hmm. to foods, to ingredients, to nutrients in foods, and it might be appropriate at the time and you might be able to come back. Yeah. And that's like, that's the part where like, and really, I mean, I didn't, and of course, like, I so did not believe it that I kept doing it, you know? Like, I would, I kept, like, going back That's to the pizza. That's something I'd do, And every You're time. You're going to prove your husband wrong. Every time. Yeah. I was determined to prove him wrong. But he was right. He really was. Um, yeah. And eventually, I got my body back into a less inflammatory state, and now I can comfortably eat pizza and beer together so happy for you i'm so happy for me too but anyway that's my anecdotal story yeah that's great yeah that's exactly that a great um example so um that's nightshades so i don't think they're as bad as the media or tom brady makes them out to be and definitely don't write off the whole category yeah but i love the advice that you gave where and that like don't write off the whole category where you were like it really could just be one or two and, you know, I think that that's comforting. Mm-hmm. And also it's it's there's so many other wonderful nutrients in that whole family. Yeah. And I don't this is totally just my opinion, but that's what we're all here to listen. I to. don't I haven't heard much about white potatoes being inflammatory. I feel like if you hear about one kind of triggering symptoms, it's going to be like eggplant. Yeah. Um, and, and tomatoes. And I feel tomatoes. like I've heard about tomatoes. Yeah. People will say, like, especially in the summertime, right, when that's their, like, in-season, people are eating them. That's when I've definitely heard people be like, I think I want a little heavy on the tomatoes. Yeah. So, well, thank you so much for breaking it down for us. You made my job today really easy. Welcome. And You know um, I love talking about inflammation. I know. And I really want everybody, we will put a link to buy your book in the show notes. Thanks. My version came last night and i cannot wait to dive into it this weekend so meals that heal one pot get it on amazon anywhere it should be at all major big retailers in store online but you can also get it on amazon i love it yeah all right we're gonna put a link to it bye guys bye thank you so much for joining us for the happy eating podcast i'm briarly horton and i'm carolyn williams If you liked this week's episode, then don't forget to rate and leave us a review on iTunes and be sure to hit the subscribe button so you'll never miss a new episode. We can't wait to have you back at our table next week for a brand new episode. Bye. Bye.
The contents discussed in the Happy Eating Podcast, such as advice, studies, text, graphics, images, and other material discussed or presented on the site or podcast are for informational purposes only. Content is not intended to be a substitute for medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your mental health professional or other qualified health providers with any questions you may have regarding your condition. Never disregard professional advice or delay in seeking it because of something you have heard on the Happy Eating Podcast. If you are in crisis or think you may have an emergency, call your doctor or 911 immediately. If you're having suicidal thoughts, call 1-800-273-TALK, that's 8255, to talk to a skilled, trained counselor at the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline. If you are located outside the United States, call your local emergency line immediately.